You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Tom. Do you have your glass of pepper ready? My who's it? Do do you have your Dr. Pepper ready? Because I'm drinking my... uh, I do. I've got a nice frosty Dr. Pepper here. Oh, because I'm drinking my Barry's Irish breakfast tea that I get from England, from Ireland. Mm, so good. <laughs> All the way from England. Jolly old yeah. England, just for you. Well, well, yeah, Ireland. Ireland, you know. Very, absolutely fabulous. So, uh, yeah. Are you wearing your little tweed uh, driving while we're drinking our tea? Uh, no tweed. Italians wear black leather. Come on. Come on. You should know that already. <laughs> So, uh, we were talking the other day, and she's uh, talking about, you know, of course, right now, the popular topic, uh, whether you believe there's inflation or you don't believe there's inflation, it seems like there's inflation. Uh, that doesn't mean the car hobby is uh, out of everybody's reach, you know? I think there's still a lot of organs had out there. Uh, oh, totally agree. Totally. I mean, look at all those deals that you find in Virginia and in North Carolina and your area. There are so many great cars to be had for under five thousand dollars. You just got to do your homework and search. Yeah, I'm thinking that, and there, there are patterns. You know, um, there are a lot of cars out there that are plentiful. That would be great starter cars for just about anyone. Uh, I'm big on starting out with six-cylinder straight-drive cars, six-cylinder automatics if you have to for a starter car. But you don't have to start there. You can start with a V8. I, I at, at 13, I started off with a first collector car with a but prior to that, I had also bought two other cars and did some work on them. I didn't really get heavy input in them. Uh, but uh, I had a 57 Chrysler New Yorker. It was the first car I ever, ever drug home. And it had a 392 Hemi in it. So, you know, I started off, I got into the deep of the pool right away. It was, it sucked because it had a, Get timing chain, and I managed to free it up. You know, it wasn't stuck, stuck. Just took a little time and a little uh, Marvel's mystery oil and so forth, which I've since switched up to uh, automatic transmission fluid and acetone, a 50-50 mix, uh, mm-hmm. shaken and poured in the cylinders because I find that that works a lot better. But back then, it was Marvel's mystery oil. Let it sit, you know, work. Work the uh, flywheel ring gear a little bit back and forth. Actually, I used the brakes, brakes to do that. And I uh, got it going and replaced the timing chain in it. 
voila, it ran. And uh, but some great cars, great cars out there. Yeah, you know, especially Corvairs. Well, you know, that's the number one car I was going to say. uh, Corvair. I sold mine a year ago. It was a '63 Monza convertible three-speed for uh, gee, I think it was like thirty-six hundred bucks, and I know it was a little bit of cheap. I, I I could have gotten more, but you know what? I was really into it, and there's plenty of them still around. But if you go with cars that late '70s and early '80s, you know, uh, there's some fabulous things, especially with some of the GMC bodies I used to get uh, late '70s, early '80s, and uh, you know, you just got to think out of the box. You really do. Uh, Gremlins used to be really cheap. You know, they started growing up, but they're still affordable. Uh, there's just all kinds of cars out there uh, that you, you know. This morning, I saw a, a Plymouth Cranebrook, twenty five hundred dollars in my marketplace yes. down here. You know, I mean, the engine's out, but every the body was fantastic. So you, you know, you rebuild the flathead, you put it back in. And you got a great car, a crane book. I, you know, those are good-looking cars. You know, they're not the greatest styling, but it's not ugly at all. It has a very unique, uh, distinctive look about it. And uh, you know, why not? It's got to be different. Well, it has the high greenhouse. Well, right. you're, you know, you're, you're driving it, and you know, tastefully styled, just like everything else in the fifties. Not a ton of uh, chrome on some of the uh, Cranbrook and Meadowbrook models, but, you know, great cars, and that's way high on my list. Uh, the early Plymouth Dodges, or early ones from the, you know, Plymouths and Dodges post-war, from the 40s, late 40s, and 50, early 50s, mm-hmm. buy those cars for a song. Uh, yeah. Buy a decent example for a couple grand hands. Uh, and it built so one. well, too. You know. Yeah. Well, and parts are super, super easy to come by. Uh, it's just amazing to me um, how simple they are. Everything, there's tons of room. There's plenty of space to work on everything. And, you know, you're not going to well, win any races once they're done. But you're going to have a heck of a lot of fun driving them around. And as a starter car, it's really hard to beat. And their parts are fairly readily available out there. There are still, you know, a ton of parts cars out there, a lot of people with parts. But the engines, transmissions, all of those things, you get parts for them very easily. Um, and my guess is you can probably go in. Yeah, very easy, right? Very simple. I mean, for- you open up that, that hood, and you see the spark plug wires, see the coil, you don't see any crazy electronics. I mean, it's just so easy to work on. I mean, all cars from that era, that's just, you know, two of the dodge. But, uh, yeah, if, if you're new to the hobby and uh, you don't have much mechanical skill, you know, consider cars from that era just so basic. They really are. Um, another really great car from that era, I really like particularly is yeah, 53 and 54 Chevys. You can still yes. buy those. They, they were a great seller in the day, and they're, they're plentiful. You can really easily find a 53 or 54 Chevy. Uh, 54, 
last year, the you know uh, stove bowl only. Um, Fifty three and fifty four. That's all you got. Stove bolt six, but really, that's all you needed. Uh, I, plenty I of think power. the fifty four is a great looking car. I really do. I do. I always like. The, I yep. do too. Yep. I was perusing yep. yesterday, you know, and I, I, you know, that's one of those things where you know you just particularly particularly once you just put another car into the garage, like, okay, I, I'm not going to look anymore. I'm not going to look at anything. <laughs> <laughs> so you never have to look, you know. you you got to look, you know. You can't just look away. Um, so you I never was, know. you know, looking through. And there was a really pretty decent, solid uh, 53 the 210 six cylinder all you know it hadn't been disassembled it was all there fairly solid car three grand you know I, wow. I need that like I need a hole in my head okay but that's me somebody getting started out there that's me that's a great car to mess with and these days uh, you know three thousand dollars doesn't hardly you know get you out of the uh, Kroger you know, for a month's worth of groceries. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's the truth. <laughs> uh, um, but, uh, you know, and, and, and if you like British sports cars, uh, like I do, uh, MDBs, which is like, you know, the most iconic slash popular sports, British sports car of all time, you can find plenty of those for under five, $6,000 running shape with very minimal rust you do your homework, and you could get any single part available for those cars, including complete, brand-new body. There isn't anything you cannot get for an MGB, you know? So, uh, yeah, you just got to think. You got to think about what you want and what's your budget and uh, start searching, you know? Don't be turned off by auction prices because that's not real world. You know, what you see on TV is not real world not. So, uh, you know, go out, do your homework, join a club, talk to people. You never know who has what in their garage want to get rid of, and uh, you'd be surprised that you'll be able to come home with. The vast, vast majority of cars that I've purchased over the years have come from private individuals. I either heard about the car I'd been dogging the car for three or four or five or in case of the Hudson like 20 some odd years um, you know it through the clubs through what you know you used to see a lot of uh, local trading posts and that sort of thing and that's kind of given way to uh, Craigslist and now Marketplace mm-hmm. but there's so much, so much good stuff out there. In fact, yesterday, uh, again, while I was cruising, uh, uh, you know, I am definitely a self-avowed uh, autoholic, so autoholic. Um, so <laughs> still looking. And there was a 1950 Chrysler Counting country convertible that I found 
on all those things. Twenty grand. And I load twenty wow. grand is not a great starting place. But for for a driving drivable that needs brakes, that runs and drives, for a drivable nineteen fifty Chrysler Towning Country convertible. Twenty twenty G's is pretty pretty cheap. And if they're asking twenty, you know, no almost always save a little money if you take a little cash and say, hey, how about we do this and I'll give you uh, you know, 16, I'll give you 17, 18, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It never hurts to bargain. But, um, another car that's really um, a great car within taking a moment to go backwards, you're right about the MTB. It's the Model A of four Right. No question about it to me. I mean, British cars, I should say. You know, realistically, the Volkswagen's probably the model A of, of foreign cars generally. So I don't want to get beaten up after the show's over with because, oh, no, the Volkswagen. You know, right. how old is Volkswagen? How old those air-cooled people are, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. I know a few crazy ones. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Um but uh, no, it's third car concern. MGB is it's model A of bridge sports cars. You can find anything you need, and there's so many enthusiasts out there. And typically, there are a bunch of MGB enthusiasts in just about any area. You know, if you have a population of more than a thousand people, somebody else has an MGB. You know, <laughs> up anyhow. Right. Uh, it's so true. You know. <laughs> and, and, you know, what, what, what's great about British cars right now is that the U.S. dollar is much stronger against the British pound. So even with shipping from England, if you need to go there for parts, uh, you're going to get a good deal. You don't pay as much as you did uh, six months ago, a year ago. So that's an advantage. No, that's an advantage. Um, and if you need a big car like you, you want you got that? What do you got? A sixty-five, sixty-six Cadillac. Those are still very affordable automobiles. You know, whether you get a sedan Deville or a Coupe Deville, you know, you don't have to even hit ten thousand dollars if you find you know the right car that may need you know paint, carpeting, a new carburetor, something like that. I mean, that's a lot of cost for your money. I mean, wow, can't go wrong. No, I, you know. If you bring that up, you can still buy 63, 64, really all the way up <clears throat> into the 70s. Yeah. Really good, really good money. And we'll be right back, folks, and we'll pick this topic up. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. 
That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Hey, we're back. So, when we... Yeah, we're back. So, we were talking about, um, you know, Cadillacs from the 60s. And I've owned a bunch of different Cadillacs from the from the 60s. Um, a close friend of mine, uh, Robert and I, years ago, um, we just... Flipped Cadillacs, bought Cadillacs, drove Cadillacs, parted Cadillacs. You know, I really haven't done a lot of that in the last 10 years or so. Um, but at one point in time, we had probably 50 parts cars that uh, really? we sold parts what? to Sweden, Switzerland, everywhere. Robert had done that for a while, and it was one of those things where he was kind of like, uh, you know, you interested in sort of being a silent partner with me on this thing. I'm going to do a little side thing with uh, parts, and there you go. You know, and then the next time, next thing you knew, I was hooked. But um, those cars are really reasonably priced, and there's a lot of enthusiast Cadillac LaSalle Club's a really strong organization. Uh, a lot of information. There's a lot of uh, Original Parts Group, they have a ton of reproduction uh, Cadillac parts for cars from those years. You can even get upholstery kits. You can get just about anything. It's so, you know, you're absolutely right. For a big car, a lot of fun. Um, they're great out on the highway. There's, there's a few cars that I enjoy driving any better on the highway than a 66 Cadillac. Um, man, it's just the American cruiser, you know? Yeah, and you know, uh, there is just so many other cars than what you see on TV. You look at these auctions and you see nothing but, you know, Tri-5 Chevy, 69 Camaros, and all that stuff. But uh, you just got to do some research, open up your eyes to other makes and models. I mean, you know, I grew up in a GM household. Everything was Oldsmobile and Buick. But, you know, once you get away from that, you say, you know what, there are other cars out there. And uh, like I said, we talked about Plymouth. 
But what about, you know, independence, AMZ? What about, you know, ambassadors and ramblers from the mid-60s, early to mid-60s? There were some wonderful cars out there. Yeah, a lot of them are straight sixes. A big deal. You know, you got crowded highways today. Where are you going to go? You're not going to be doing 90 miles an hour anyway. So, you know, you could get like a 66 Rambler. I've seen it for sale regularly, $2,500, $3,500. And uh, they're handsome-looking cars. They really are. You know, so uh, think AMC 60s, and you get some good deals, no doubt. Mm-hmm. The 65 and 66 uh, Rambler Classics were really nice. beautifully styled cars. They really looked yes. nice, um, and you could get them well optioned also. Um, they did not rust that badly either. Uh, you know, they had some rust issues, but they weren't horrible. Um, now, the 50s AMC products, if you need to be careful, um, the torsion boxes under the floor pans, um, because they were unitized construction, had no frame, um, they tended to rust out and cowls rusted out. So, you know, you've got to pay particular attention to those uh, when you're going out to buy one. Um, you know, honestly, for a, for a novice, I, I recommend a body-on-frame car just yep. simply because even if something's hiding there and you don't see it, you know, it's not going to fall apart. Cause you, no, exactly. Right. Not going to fall apart. You know, you're not going to get your car running and and go out and hit a bump and then realize either the doors keep flying open or they won't open. You know, because the body's getting, you know, so much flex in there because of all the rust that's in the in the unit frame. But um, you know, I'm a big AMC and Nash guy too, and uh, I've had my share of unitized. Uh, construction cars and it's just a matter of knowing where to look at you know again it goes back to something that you and i say constantly to people join a club if you have a knowledge deficit join a club you know a lot of people they'll look at you know i think you like a 58 rambler american it might look good on the outside might look like a great little car. Years ago, there was a 57 Rambler, not a not an American, but a full-size Rambler that was offered to me. It only had 30,000 miles on it. It's a really nice-looking car on the outside, had a beautiful interior, and the price was really good. But you roll up underneath of it, oh, it was Swiss cheese up there. And... Uh, you know, there's just no way you could ever make that car roadworthy, safe and roadworthy um, for less than thousands and thousands of dollars. Just not something you want to do. So, yeah, you definitely want to know what you're looking for. Another great car, and our pal uh, Gerard Persadovich should be really happy that we mentioned this, but um, T-Birds from... 61 to 66, those cars are a really good deal, too. Oh, sure. The Bullet Birds, 61 to 63. I love Bullet Birds with the big round tail lamp, you know, great looking cars. But, you know, and then you got the more of the Landau looking one, 64 to 66. But even the 67 to 69, you know, that restyled one with the uh, 
the sedan with the rear door that goes into the C-pillar. I mean, those are good-looking cars, too. I would definitely consider a 67, 68 T-Bird, but my heart is set on a 61 to 3 Bulletbird uh, Coupe. I don't want a convertible. I just think those are great-looking cars. A lot of parts are available, and uh, those engines you can't kill. You know, you're right. You're right again, Mr. Tom. That's a good choice. Well, I had a 61, and I should have hung on to it. It was one of those cars that I wished I hadn't sold. Just something else came up, and I just didn't have room in the garage, and I knew someone who'd expressed interest in it. You know, one of those, you ever sell that, let me know. And uh, I just picked up the phone, made the guy a good deal, moved it along so that I had extra extra garage space but it, it was a 61 white with red interior uh had the swing away steering wheel um yep. just a cool 60s feature um, but you know very straightforward uh parts easy are easy to come by and they're just beautiful cars they're a car that you know people look at them and they think they're a whole lot more expensive than they than they truly are not that they're not good cars and don't hold their value they do but they just look like a million bucks. And the interiors, you know, if you enjoy uh, all that early 60s space-age styling, uh, those early, especially the 61 through 63 Bulletbirds, they, they just kill it on the interior styling. It's just beautiful, really cool, bubble-looking stuff. Perfect. You'll always Perfect. be happy driving. Oh, yeah. You know, you feel like you're in the airplane cockpit. But, you know, the reason why so many people believe those cars are priced out of their range because, again, you look at these auctions on TV and every time a bullet bird comes across the block, it's a sports roadster. So it goes to six figures. You don't need a sports roadster. You know, you don't need that turn-off cover behind you with the headrest. You know, yeah, it'd be cool to have, but you know, you're getting the same exact car underneath, same mechanical, same everything if you buy a bullet bird, you know, coupe, you know, the hard top. Uh, or even a convertible, they're, they're still affordable. But it's the sports roadsters that kind of, you know, plants everybody's thinking and says that these are six-figure cars when they're not, you know. Uh, so, again, base model. I think you're right. We will. Yep. Uh, I totally I agree with you about that. Um, you know, this, and, of course, there's a lot of... Uh, counterfeit sports roadsters out there too yeah um, a lot which is just a a whole nother subject entirely but um, the sports roadster you're right because of the barrett jackson meekum and other television auctions you know people get that idea oh it's an expensive car i can't afford to buy it but you're absolutely right another just in Interesting things, just sort of uh, a pet peeve of mine, and of course, you know, everyone's taste is different for sure. Uh, you know, just about every T-bird, every fifties era T-bird you go across the auction block these days, they've all T-K's wire wheels on them, all of them. The, the Friday 55s, the 6s, the 7s, the 8s, and that, all the way up. And you, you mentioned the Sports Register. The Sports Register, which uh, came out in, what, 63? Am I wrong? 
am I right? Yeah, so we have you 63, I think. Anyhow, it was the first T-Bird that actually came with Kelsey Hayes wire wheels. Mm-hmm. But you never see any of the earlier birds going across the auction block with the standard wheel and hubcap that they actually came from the factory with. They come with Kelsey Hayes wire wheels. It's just become so ubiquitous that I, I really like seeing a, a 55, 6, 7 T-Bird the way it came from the factory with the standard wheel and hubcap, you know? Yes. Everything else you see has Kelsey Hayes wire wheels. Uh-oh. Okay, we're short time on time folks. again. We'll be back. We'll be back. You're right. And uh, we're going to take this opportunity, and you guys, uh, I've got you on the air still. Uh, what do you think about advertising in this program? I think it's a great idea. <laughs> You know, the marketplace of what? <laughs> you know, the show for those that are listening and those that have, particularly, we're looking for folks that do mail order. And I say mail order, you can ship your business as such that you can ship any place in the country. It's not like you're you're going to ship a a 12-volt battery somewhere. This is a smaller parts, or it can be bigger parts, or unique parts but that you can ship anywhere in the world our market we have people listening to america's web radio all over the world particularly we have a good audience for this show in australia and the uk and uh we get we have great monthly numbers our you don't just get you don't buy one spot in America's web radio or a particular show because just like this show we'll rerun this show a number of times and every time it plays again your spot's going to be in it so you're getting for the purchase of one spot you're getting about four or five different spots and with the way we operate our archives are listened to all times of the year. A particular show might be listened to five or six different times and people are, people love these shows and they, they, we get results. And we know this from our other advertisers. And if you'd like to come in as an advertiser on the classic car show, depending on your product and depending on the truth, and we always go by the truth, but uh, we might be able to get um, someone like uh, Tom or uh, Lintanello to uh, endorse your product if they've used it and if they like it. We don't play any games. Either it's the truth or it's it's not played. So if you're looking for a great place to advertise, this is it. And with that being said... Let's see here. We're going to play the Back to the Classic Car Show. I love that. Back to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Okay, guys, it's yours. All right, we're back. Back from our public service announcement. (laughs) So, So now, let's say you're a car guy, right? And you love cars, but... You live 
you live in Manhattan, you live on the 34th floor in the Upper East Side, you don't have a garage, but you're still a condo. What can you do, you know, to satisfy that lust in old automobiles when you just don't have access to a garage or anything else? How about collecting, right? I mean, whether it's old books, car magazines, ads, models, plot cars. I mean, there's just posters, paintings. I mean, there's just so many things that you could collect. Uh, the rubber tire ashtrays, which I think are way cool. You know, uh, on my shelves in my office, I have all these lapel pins from years gone by, and I stuck them in the edge of the uh, the shelf in the wood. And uh, old models. I mean, just, even if you don't build them, just the box art to me is absolutely beautiful. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's glasses and there's teacups with cars on them. So uh, there's just so many things that you could collect out there if you live in an apartment and you can't have a car or you can't afford a car. But uh, what do you say, Tom? What do you think people should, you know, should collect if, uh, you know, they want to satisfy that, that lust in old cars? So, the very, you know, I was sitting here as you were talking, and I was trying to remember, what was the very first thing I collected? You know, um, we can all look back and probably see, you know, well, I, gosh, I collected this or I collected that. So, the very, very first thing that I collected were magical covers. When I was a little little kid, um, I grew up about a block off the oceanfront, um, in Virginia Beach, and, you know, I decided, you know, I'm going to collect magical covers. And so I went and I walked the boardwalk and I walked Atlantic Avenue and I went to all of the hotels and, and I got a match, pack of matches from every hotel. Of course, some of them, you know, uh, little kids going to be playing with matches. No. <laughs> and I had to beg and plead and tell them, you know, show them I had a whole bag full that I was going to collect the things. But um, I collect matchbook covers for antique uh, cars too. Now um, I've got them back in the back into the forties. Uh, sitting here looking right now, I've got a '66 Cadillac cover. I've got multitude of of Hudson matchbook covers. I've got Pontiac, Ford, you know. And, you know, I paid a couple bucks a piece for them. And it's really kind of fun to, you know, you can get these little packets, uh, little uh, plastic uh, holders. You can put them in there and go through and find it. And some of them have the photographs of the car from that year or they have the uh, logos for the year or the time period on really inexpensive. You know, these days shipping is really expensive. But a matchbook cover, you can just drop it in an envelope, you know, and, and send it to some somewhere with a regular first-class postage. But, um, yeah, there's a ton of stuff. Um, they don't lot of graduated from... Go ahead. Yeah, they don't take up a lot of space. And here's something else that you could collect if you don't have a lot of room to display stuff, and that is automotive-themed stamps. Like the post office on August 25th this year came out with a whole series of pony car stamps. So you could go to the post office and you could order a plate block 
of stamp, which is a whole sheet with the serial numbers down the side. And what I do is I put those in glass frames, and I have them on my wall in my office, various types of stamps. And if you go online, you can see stamps from, you know, different countries around the world. I mean, like Nigeria and New Zealand and Latvia, they all have automotive stamps. A lot of them have old race cars, like Formula One, Grand Prix cars, and classic cars. So uh, they stamp, and you can put them in an album, you know, and the album doesn't take up much space on your uh, on your shelf in your library. So that's another thing that you could do, stamps. Hey, I got another one for you. Since we're talking postal, post office, not going postal, but talking yeah. <laughs> about stamps and the post office, um, you know... Postcards, yes, they go all the way back to the inception of the automotive industry. Uh, I've seen automotive postcards as early as 1902, and I'm sure there may be a few that were even earlier than that. Uh, um, you know, right at you know uh, pre 1900 even. But I've got a ton of postcards too that I've collected over the years. And, and that was how dealers, you know, today with the digital world we live in, you know, <laughs> computers, you got your phones, you're just bombarded with stuff. But stop and think about the fact that, and, you know, those who've listened for a while know I also collect antique radios, okay? Well, it's only been a 100 years, roughly, okay, Uh that we all had devices in our homes that communicated with us, you know, uh, communicated with the outside world, so to speak. It wasn't a matter of just, you know, going over and sitting on Bobby Joe's front porch and shooting the breeze if you had time on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, that was your, you know, opportunity to talk to other people. But um, in terms of media, um, you really only had the post office. So that was the main main way to advertise new cars and vehicles, um, sending postcards. And uh, there's some great postcards. I, I can't tell you when manufacturers started or stopped, excuse me, uh, stopped making postcards available for new models. But I know you can get postcards all the way up into the 80s. Um, for GM cars because I've seen them. I've gone to a couple of postcard shows and things of that nature when they just happen to be in an area. It's not like I'm chasing down the road to go to postcard store uh, shows like some people do. But, but anyway, postcards. Inexpensive yep. and easy to store. Yeah, they don't take up much room. Um, yeah. And you know what I, I started collecting? And I don't have many. I only have like a half dozen is uh, wooden rulers that had the car dealer's name printed on it. And I have three Pontiac ones, which I really like. It has a little red, you know, Indian head logo printed on there. But, you know, they also have yardsticks of, uh, you know, various car dealers and hardware stores and things like that. And they're pretty cool. You know, you can just hang them on the wall next to each other. And it's kind of, you know, uh, industrial art, so to speak. But, uh, you know, yardstick is pretty interesting. And uh, 
The other thing that I also collect is glasses, automotive thing glasses. And you go to antique store, you could go, you could go to Goodwill, which I found automotive glasses, uh, Salvation Army, and you know, a dollar, two dollars. I found a Volvo coffee mug uh, for fifty cents. I mean, it's just there's all sorts of things out there that uh, that you could collect. That is a lot of fun. So uh, it doesn't have to be, you know. Uh, $10,000 paintings or limited edition litho prints or anything like that, which, which is great to collect. But, uh, you know, also people collect programs from concours and things like that and, and uh, show posters. But, uh, yeah. What about patches? Did they make patches years ago for automotive? I think they did. They oh, used sure. To. I have some muckball patches, but do they have patches of like, you know, Hudson and Packard and things like that. I'm, I'm sure they did, right? But the mechanics sure. wore. Yeah. Well, yeah, the mechanics uniforms uh, right. had them right. on there. And I know you're going to be shocked. <laughs> you have Hudson uniforms. I have. Um, no way. I do. Uh, well, I don't have a Hudson one. I have two Nash shop supervisor shop coats. Um, no. And it's it's a really sort of a ornate affair. It's a, a little red belt, and it has it's white uh, with uh, red lapels, and it's got the dealership embroidered on the back of it. it. And of course, it's got the you know Nash and you know service patch which is shown on the front. And they were actually uh, given to people who attended. Uh, service schools in Kenosha, Wisconsin, or wherever they were holding the school. You know, you completed the service school and, you know, you've got your shop supervisor code. So I have, okay. I have several of Okay, those. gentlemen, what, um, what, uh, what company did a whole advertising campaign around a patch? And uh, I'll even give you a clue, and you can finish it out if you remember you can trust your car to the man. Who wears the star? Texaco. Oh, yeah. Texaco. Yeah. Oh, there's a, a, a ton of Petroliana. I didn't know they sold that. They made steak knife. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> you filled up a tank of gas. Steak knives or, or anchor hocking glassware. And, yes. uh, you know, I'm sure <laughs> Anchor Hawking was some sort of uh, manufacturer, I guess. I don't know that was well-known back in the day. But, you know, get get a fill-up and get an Anchor Hawking glass. You could have gotten some of your uh, teacups. Do you remember? Your early morning tea. Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> who had the uh, put a tiger in your tank? And uh, they'd give you a tiger tail that uh, would hang, hang out your... A- yep. Yeah, all the GTO guys had the tail hanging. Of course, they call the GTO tiger, but uh, the the, the GTO tiger tails were generally a bit longer, if I remember correctly. But, yeah, the uh, SO tiger in your tank. I actually have a couple of those uh, SO tiger tails. Um, Every once in a while, I'll get a wild hair, and, uh, you know, they just went around the filler neck, and then you close the gas door and the tail would stick out kind of cool stuff um 
another thing that I like to collect that I think um, is is a lot of fun, and the paper quality on them is pretty lousy. Um, paper was full of acid, I guess, because they yellow and get real brittle quickly. But autos, old auto supply catalogs. I've got oh, sure. several old, really old Western Auto catalogs mm-hmm. from the twenties. And um, J.C. Whitney going back into the 40s. What was that? Got a break, folks. We're right back. Oh, no. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783. Or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Alright, we're back, folks. We're back. Yes, yeah, so, um, uh, oh, real fast, uh, is Max, you know, Shell and Mobile and Sinclair, they all used to give out maps years ago. And uh, it's interesting to look at because when you look at some of these maps, you open them up and it's like, wait a minute, the LIE ended at exit 52 in Comac? It didn't go all the way to the end of Riverhead? I mean, you know, and you look at these early maps and you say, wow, there really wasn't as many roads as there are today, you know? They just keep building stuff. And uh, I always found it interesting to look at old maps. I really do. The only problem is folding them back I, I, I can never fold them right. <laughs> so. No, that's that's me too. I uh, have a pretty extensive collection of of old road maps going all the way back into the twenties, and it's, it's wow. fascinating to look at the really old ones and see how few roads there really were. And not only that, but of course, most of those roads in those days they were dirt. <laughs> no gravel. There was no anything. Now there were some plank roads once you got into some of the uh, cities, but uh, you know, no asphalt. Um, you know, then they started using concrete, so on and so forth. 
but you know it's really interesting you think about it um you know we were talking about the postcards and that being a method of communication back you know even before the advent of radio um being commonplace in homes in the 20s and really not until the late 20s and early 30s was it really commonplace um but you know we have this country has not had, we have wonderful roads compared to the rest of the world for the most part. And, you know, it hadn't been that long that we've had really good roads. You know, we had, uh, you know, we got the highway, other roads that, uh, went coast to coast. Um, those were huge undertakings, but it hasn't been that long ago, really. Um, you think about the cars from the, 30s and 40s, and unless you were buying the luxury marks, you know, they were pretty much topping out at 45 or 50 miles an hour, but the thing of it is, you couldn't go any faster than that. It would beat the hell out of you, you know? <laughs> right. The roads were so bad. And, and speaking of roads, you know, uh, for many years, I bought a lot of metal road signs at Hershey, and guys, you know, I mean, Snow plow, dip in the road, bump, uh, alternate side of the street parking. I used to pick them up for five bucks, and these were metal signs. And I got a whole bunch of them on my garage wall. You know, a big giant stop sign. Railroad signs, of course, are more expensive. But I got this giant sign, yellow. It must be like, uh, I'd say, three feet across. And it says dip, D-I-P, right across the middle. Picked it up for five bucks in the tag sale, driving down the road. So road signs connected with road maps, you know, anything to do with automobiles, you know. It's just a lot of fun to collect that stuff. And the best thing about it is that once you croak, you know, your family's going to have to get rid of all this crap. And they're going to be talking about you for the next ten years till they get rid of it all. So uh, you'll always be in their memory. You know what I mean? By Good or for good or bad, you're always going to be in their memory, uh, right? You know, yeah. I feel very fortunate. I, I started collecting automotive related and similar, you know, roadside type uh, signs. Gosh, when I was twelve years old, probably, and so you know, I was able to collect a fair number of signs and similar things um, over the years that uh, I was able to acquire at a reasonable cost. These days, partly because you've got a ton of restaurants out there that are now decorating uh, using old advertising signs, but then, you know, people with garages. You know, so signs, authentic signs, have really, really gone way up in price. But on the flip side of that, you can get some really cool, inexpensive, well-made reproduction signs, too. I don't have a lot of reproduction signs. I've probably got three or four. Um, but the ones I do have, they're, they're porcelain, you know, fired on porcelain. And, uh, you know, they're heavy and they're well-made. But they're still cool, you know, even, even though they're not 100%. 100% original. Um, yeah. I bought one a foot in diameter and porcelain on metal. It's the Oldsmobile symbol, you know, of, of the world. 
and which I absolutely love. And of course, I got the Pontiac one. You got a Dodge, but uh, yeah, those are like you know, twelve, fifteen bucks a piece. And you know, so what? They're reproductions, but they look exactly like the original. And you know, it's good to fill up a few you know empty spaces on your wall, whether it's in your office or you know your garage or you know your living room, whatever. Uh, it just makes you feel good looking at this. It's really good. Yeah. Creates the proper ambiance so that you can sit out there with your triumph, with your pinky finger extended, sipping your British tea, you know, watching him leave. It's the ambiance. <laughs> Speaking of triumph, knitting, I, knitting while you're knitting too. I I mentioned that you know. Um, yeah, knitting, knitting, yeah, drinking no. tea. I, I the, haven't knitted um, in three weeks. So. I've been busy. <laughs> I'll tell you, and, and this is going to be a shocker too. Um, yeah, there's a ton of collectible automotive stuff out there that you really never really think about. And one of those for me, I was reading a book on World War II and the automotive industry, and you know, looking at all the various manufacturers and what their contribution was in manufacturing to the war effort during World War II. And uh, Hudson built landing craft engines. Uh, they were a Hall-Scott-designed engine, but it was, they, were, they were called the Hudson Invader. And I just thought that was so cool, Hudson Invader. It just has great, it has a great ring. Rolls off the tongue nicely, you know. And so I started Googling Hudson Invader landing craft engines. I'm thinking, you know, maybe I could pick up a landing craft engine. You know, of course, I'm glad I didn't find a complete landing craft engine because then that would be something else that I would have that would weigh, you know, 1,500 pounds that, you know, I couldn't move. But on the West Coast, I found a guy. He had a boat uh, or a marine uh, repair operation, and he had a Hudson Invader valve cover. And he also had a Hudson Invader coil box assembly that he was advertising for sale. So I called the guy up, and I asked him about the valve cover. I asked him, I said, you know, the cast iron? Now he's cast aluminum. I'm like, great, okay, that'll save on shipping. And uh, it's really, really cool. It's got the Hudson Triangle in it and everything. I'll take a picture of it, and I'll post it up on our uh, face, on the uh, Classic Car Facebook page. Um but, yeah, this guy loved that stuff so much. I didn't want the coil box because of the shipping cost all right. the way from Oregon. And, and you know, I kept telling him, no, 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 that's okay. I'll just take the I'll just take the valve cover. And he's like, no, 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 you really should think about this coil box. And I said, no, 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 that's okay. I really appreciate it. So just a, about two and a half weeks later, this big box shows up, and then another box shows up with it. The guy, he wanted me to have that coil box. And so he shipped it to me at his own expense. You know, there's some nice people out there. And I'm glad glad that he did because I actually made a lamp out of it. And I'll take a picture of that and I'll post that up on the uh, on the Facebook page too. So I'm really glad, glad that guy did that. Um, you know, so, go ahead. You know, valve covers. That's another good thing to collect. I have some valve covers on my wall. Uh, 
few years ago, I was in a pickup part in San Pedro, California, and I went there and I saw a red valve cover. It was the Oldsmobile Quad Four. Five bucks. It looks beautiful on the wall. So, yeah, you're right. Valve covers uh, do make great industrial art or industrial sculpture, without a doubt. Yeah, so, so take a yeah, picture of this valve cover poster. We want to see it. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's really really cool. It's one of my favorite favorite items, and uh, you know who who'd have thought? Um, so, coming up here shortly, and I, I, you and I have talked about this too. Uh, in the next couple of shows that we're going to do, we're going to have some suggestions about great Christmas gifts that you can give people, given to the car enthusiast or the car enthusiast to be. Um, because there's a ton of stuff out there that uh, would make great Christmas gifts. But one of the very, very best Christmas is a subscription to Crankshaft Magazine. And you've just about got another issue ready to go to print. And yeah. what better time What better time for somebody to get a subscription? I know people can buy a single issue. Folks, I'm telling you, you're not going to just want to buy a single issue. It's a waste of your time. Just get the subscription because you won't regret it. You're going to love me. You're going to love the fact that I said it. And uh, you can't believe I'm talking so nicely about Richard here. But, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the group of people that he has put together um, who contribute to the magazine, I mean, they're the best. Uh, Thank you, Jimmy, Dave LaChance, others, people you've been reading for years, Richard himself. Uh, the photography is amazing. It's just really, really, really good stuff. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So think about, yeah, no, I, I, no kidding. It really is. You, I'm so proud of you. I, you've just done such a tremendous job with that magazine. Um, and well, wait till you see issue five. I have not heard one person not like it. 30 seconds? No. Issue five. Okay. Yeah, issue five. We, it goes yeah. to press. It goes to press the All end right, of the next week. we're getting ready to All right, close out. Um, if anybody's in Virginia Beach next weekend, come down and see me at the Coastal Virginia Auto Show at the Virginia Beach uh, Convention Center down there. We're going to have a great time. A ton of cars down there Friday night, all day Saturday and Sunday. It's going to be a whole bunch of fun. All right. Have a good time. Oh, I will. It'll be a good. It'll be a good time and opportunity to get back to my old stomping ground down there. Even though it's all changed, but still, still a lot of fun to check everything out. We'll be doing some posting on Facebook and uh, putting stuff out there for everybody to see. And we'll be back with all sorts of Christmas cheer next weekend, right, Rich? Yes, yes, we will. And in the meantime, cheap cars are good. Cheap tools are bad. Don't forget that, folks. Don't buy cheap tools for Christmas presents. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.